Hey again, travel bosses. I'm excited to bring you this week's sponsor, TripStreak, the smarter travel search. What I love about TripStreak is the ability to set your personal preferences to either have or avoid red-eye flights or have things like completely lie flat seats. So the next time you need to book a flight, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. What up, Travel Bosses? Welcome to episode 153 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. I'm here with Chris Wachu. Yo, what's going on, my brother? Thank you for having me again. Good to have you back. If you guys haven't listened to the original episode, it was episode 49. And that was how long ago? Man, like September 2015. First time I moved to Chiang Mai, like two and a half years ago. That's crazy. And now where are we at? I'm Bali. In Ubud, Bali. <laughs> the island of the gods. Yes, it is. And you, you're based out of here now. Yeah, I moved here. Last time we saw each other was at my going away dinner in Chiang Mai, December, like late December, and I moved straight here. So I've been here for two and a half months now. I've got my six month social visa. So I'll be here till September at least. Okay, but you, you've been to Bali a few times before, right? Yeah, this is my first, for, fourth time. I was here back in October. I actually led uh, my first retreat for co location. And then um, the past two years, I'd be here for burning season. I always escape here and live here for two to three months. So, so yeah. I think it's a good spot to come for burning season, and I'm surprised more people don't do it. Yeah, I think it was a. It's definitely a bit of a hidden gem, you know. It's like it's funny. I mean, I meet a lot of friends who come between here and, and back and forth, but yeah, it's like it's it's my second home. It's been my second home for the past three or four years. I think that after these podcasts, after the blog posts, after kind of more and more of us come here, it's gonna it's gonna become the next Chiang Mai. Yeah, I could I could foresee that definitely. Yeah, and. I didn't know I, I didn't know it was going to be Bali because it always had the reputation of having the worst internet in the world. Yeah. But it's somehow gotten better in the last couple of years. It definitely has. It's I mean it's still not as good as Chiang Mai, but I remember I was a bit skeptical also my first year cuz I first year I worked at a Hubud and um yeah, but you know what like you have things like tethering, there's also those portable USB modems that are like proper work spots and and yeah, it's not as bad as people think it maybe it was a couple of years ago like longer but it, it's definitely improved i think even the people that right now say it's bad it's mm-hmm. because they're trying to use like free shared wi-fi yeah at those i mean if you're at a villa and like man your landlord puts a crappy you know five meg router in there your internet's gonna suck and yeah it's like you need to get a dedicated like line or you need to go to co-working space or what i do now is actually whenever i go to a new restaurant i pull up the speed test app and i always like just test it and dude i found like 20 meg places by my by my place 10 meg places so like those are like my kind of uh little hidden gems i go to in case i don't want to work at a co-working space just to mix it up so yeah i have a i have a list of places i go to that are decent okay i like it and i actually the funniest things i i hear is people say oh the internet at at Hubud sucks. And I was like, oh, like, you know, when did you work out of it? And they said, oh, I only worked out of the cafe. And I was like, <laughs> are you serious? I was like, you can't like go to like, it's like going like next door to a co-working space and say, yeah. hey, it sucked. Because some of those places, they'll just put in 
a shitty internet line because they realize like they're going to get some of these people who don't pay the full thing. It's like, of course, they're not going to put like the full dedicated infrastructure in the coffee shop if that's just for people coming by, you know? Yeah, exactly. But here's my question is why are all co-working spaces in Bali so much more than Chiang Mai? It's like literally double the price. Yeah, it's – uh, I think that speaks – I think what it is is I don't think it's anything specific about Bali. I think what happened is because we live in Chiang Mai so long, it spoiled us. Because I've even been to South America, you know, the past three, four years. And even out there, I go to some of the cheaper countries, but still, it's more expensive than Chiang Mai. So it's, we're a bit, we have a bit of a cognitive bias, I think, from living in Chiang Mai. So, but in terms of why specifically Bali, I don't, I think, I think that's just the cost of it, you know, and plus there's not a lot of, uh, it's not like competition as well, you know. I mean, Outpost just opened up like last year, so you know they they're, they're at least being competitive. But um, yeah, hey, it's well, just I noticed they they marked their prices down a bit compared to Ubud, yeah, or Hubud, uh huh. Which I wonder if that's going to cause some kind of price war between the two. We'll say that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about price wars to me is it's beneficial to a point mm-hmm. where if someone you know if if somebody is just charging more just for the sake of charging more yeah i think i welcome price wars and mm-hmm. to bring it down to a, a fair price for everyone mm-hmm. but at a certain point when the prices get too low and nobody can be profitable yeah they start cutting corners yeah the quality goes to shit the quality so, goes and that's not a good thing yeah so i think i don't know what the the price should be yeah i would imagine if i was just going to guess and i, I don't know anything about the economics of the coworking space or how much rent is here or anything uh-huh. but i would think that instead of having passes where you know you can get 10 hour pass or 50 hour pass i think all of them should be unlimited mm-hmm. just like gym memberships where knowing some people really will be there you know 12 hours a day yeah but most people they'll buy the unlimited pass and just come you know once in a while and won't use as much yeah so i think that is actually the smarter thing to do only sell unlimited um passes and then that way instead of it being 200 or two even 250 make it more affordable us dollars which is a lot uh, compared to Chiang Mai, which is like a hundred, yeah, they can make it one hundred fifty, which is be very reasonable. Yeah, everybody, you know, I think they would actually be more profitable. I don't think they'll, they'll get overcrowded because I think people will intend to come every day and they'd smoke. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting way to look at that. I think you should propose that to the co-working <laughs> to the co-working owners and see what they say. Uh, there's a lot of things I would propose. Different chairs, different height tables. It's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, I had a one. I had one friend discuss make comparison between he just signed up yesterday at outpost and he was like i'm not gonna name names but he was like oh this is so better much better than the other place look at the, the chairs look look at these comfy chairs like the you know the ergonomic ones and he was talking about the aircon how like it's better at outpost so yeah it, it's uh but i think also you have to like because these places are new it's a growing market that they're still going through growing pains and teething issues you know so it's like not place is gonna not every place is gonna be perfect like i think the reason why Outpost, I think, is, has been successful is because <clears throat> they looked at everything that Huba didn't get right, and then they implement that straight away from the get-go. That's smart. Okay. Um, but even so, like when I said back in October, we had we had some power outages, you know? So it's like, I think it's inevitable for any business that it's... Okay. So you've been in both now. You've worked out of both? Yeah. So what are the pros and cons of each? You know what? It's hard to say because I went. I worked at a Huba two years ago on my first trip, and I didn't work there last year, and I haven't gotten there since then. So it's hard. But the thing for me, what I plan on doing is getting. I'm on a 24 hour pack right now at um, Outpost. I'm also going to do an out a 20 a 30 hour 
pack at Hubert and have them at the same time. Because for me, I don't like to go to a co-working space every day. It starts to feel like an office. And I, what happened is when I did it, Pun Space, I bought a three-month membership. And man, I went there like every day. And then you know what? I got burnt out. I was like, fuck this place. I don't want to go into more. It feels like an office. So I think it's good to work at both places, to be honest. They have different vibes. You know, I, I think that's really interesting because it this reminds me that every single person has a very different opinion on what they want out of a co-working space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why even though we all have our preferences, I think people should, you know, it's good to listen to other people's preferences, but then make your own decision. Yeah. And I, one thing I do want to point out is like, Hubert has a bit of a reputation as like, a, it's very social, almost like a pun space um, atmosphere. So you go there to like, kind of when you kind of need to do work. And, and you kind of then get sucked into like talks and like it's very open. It's very open. Have you been over there yet? No, no, yeah. I want to check it out. We'll, we'll go check it out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very open and very like conducive to like conversations. Whereas in Outpost, like where you and I have been working, you're the downstairs, which is a quiet room, the whisper zone. And like people respect that. Like, don't bother me. I'm here to get shit done. So I think it's, that's why it's good to have both memberships. You can, you can get a taste of which, which place you like better. You know, the funny thing is a lot of people go to Pun Space assuming it's, it's super social and then they get there and people just have their heads down working. Yeah. Like they're disappointed. <laughs> I think it depends 100% on who happens to be there at the time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like for me, the last time I was there, I was just putting headphones on, nose to the keyboard and like I didn't socialize at all. So I'll say pros and cons for uh, Pun Space in Chiang Mai versus Outpost in Bali since I've been to both. I've been working on both for a little bit now. Uh Pun space is much smaller, mm-hmm. and there's pros and cons of that, you know. I guess, but it's so it's not as wow. The wow factor is not there. Um, it's half the price, but that's Chiang Mai is just cheaper. Yeah, but I like the my favorite thing about Pun Space is they have the best like table height and mm. chairs and outlets and kind of like the infrastructure within it. Yeah, where it seems like they really took the time to like sit down in, in each chair and be like, okay, is this something that people want to sit in for many hours? Mm-hmm. And, you know, not all their chairs are perfect. There's only one out of the the two the two chairs I actually like. Yeah. But those are good. And they're not like, they're not like the super expensive ergonomic chairs mm-hmm. that look fancy. Mm-hmm. They're just normal office chairs yeah. that just happen to be comfortable yeah. at a good height. What I don't like about Outpost is all the tables seem a bit too high. And, mm. you know, that could be, you know, my, in me not being tall enough, mm-hmm. but I can imagine, you know, at 5'10", five, 5'10 five, five, and a half, that there's a lot of people shorter than me yeah. and they have their arms up and that's not good for you. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that I um, am a bit picky about now, you know, like even when I go to cafes, I'm like, it needs to be aircon and like the, the seating needs to be comfortable. Like if I'm going to be there for a while, like I don't want to get my body all jacked up and yeah, for sure. And, you know, I hate. Like the, the like the wooden chairs just don't work. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those. Like with round backs, you can't lean back into nah. it. You can't even move it because it makes so much noise and quiet. Yeah, area. they're not adjustable. Yeah, but ironically, if you had like a dining like a dining room wooden chair, it would mm-hmm. actually be fine because it's straight back. Yeah, wouldn't be super comfortable to sit at, but it forces good posture. So I actually would rather have that than like the cool looking chairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have these like ergonomic office chairs, which look cool. And I think some people like it because you can lean back into them. Mm-hmm. But I hate them because there's no way to like lock the back straight. So I found that out yesterday. I was like, I was looking for that. Yeah. It's like, and it's, I'm like, I don't want to just lean back and chill and watch YouTube videos. I don't want to <laughs> sit there and crush it. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to find like that perfect balance. Yeah. Right I've been mixing up with uh, standing as well. Yeah. That's, that's something I've and been doing a lot I think more. that's been the saving grace of Outpost is they have yeah. standing desks. Yeah. So I've been using that. It's definitely a good thing. I think that's what 
led to my burnout last year. But I like the layout a lot. I like how they have that big wide open area in the bottom that is the keep it quiet AC mm-hmm. zone. Yeah. And then the upstairs where you can be more social and you can, you can chat. And it's a beautiful view up there. And there's uh-huh. a pool. Have you checked out the pool yet? I, I haven't been. We'll have to go okay. spend some time there next time. Yeah. The pool is nice. Yeah. it's in. So Outpost is on the street but connected to the Bali Spirit Resort, which yep. is like a nice hotel. It's a proper hotel. Yeah. With a proper pool. It's expensive. It was like 100 bucks a night or something. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I was going to stay there and I looked depressed. I was like, nah, nah. But yeah, but the pool is like, a, it's not one of these dinky ass pools. It's a proper resort Big pool. pool. Okay. Yeah. We Maybe. had a pool party there last year, actually. Maybe this afternoon. Uh, yeah. For dip. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of which, so I'm staying, what, a minute away, I guess? Yeah, pretty Maybe close. a five minute walk, but minute drive. And it's a nice resort, green, lush. We are in, we have like, there's two pools here. We're sitting in the living room. There's a huge bathroom. There's a bathtub and a shower. It's you know it's like a it's like a proper resort, right? Yeah, it's really nice. I'm actually impressed, Johnny. And it's 25 bucks a night. That's even crazier. I definitely wouldn't have thought it was 25. I thought it was like 30, 40. And when I first came in, and I, I like I put it on my Instagram uh, live, uh, Johnny FDK. If you guys haven't seen it, but people were probably like, "Wow, this place is so baller. You're so lucky." Yeah. But then I realized. It's like, what am I doing with all this space? You're the first person I've had over. <laughs> this, is, this is actually the first time I sat on the couch. No shit. So like, when I get home, you know, nine o'clock at night, I'm not going to sit on the couch by myself, do nothing. Yeah. I'm just going to go lay in bed. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I moved into um, a studio villa. I got the, it's a one floor and two floor, and I got the whole second floor. It's a wraparound balcony. It's, it's fucking amazing in the middle of rice fields. But the thing is, it's just, a, it's still just a one bedroom. And at first, I like kind of freaked out because in Chiang Mai, you saw my places uh, at a proper huge one big one bedroom and living room and then big balcony. And then I kind of downsized here. And at first I was like, man, I might need all that space. But you get used to it, like psychologically used to it. And like, I kind of like going back to being a minimalist as well. And uh, yeah, so it's 410 US. It's beautiful. 400 bucks a month. Yeah. Nice. It's really nice. Speaking of minimalism, I got rid of all my stuff when I left Chiang Mai. I saw that. All you sold or donated. All of it. That's what like, I had to do also cases of it like yeah all i have now is that rolling duffel it's oh, 60 liters in my backpack i see it and it was stuffed to the gills but uh-huh. I'm, I'm starting to give away and just throw away more stuff as i go yeah so my goal is to be able to like zip that up easily and just have that nothing else yeah it's crazy how much like even though like this lifestyle is pretty if you want it to be minimalist but like i think when you have a home base like chiang mai like for two and a half years, I, I slowly accumulated stuff. Plus, I made it feel like home, you know, just little little things. But I, it took me three days to like organize, sell all my shit. And I didn't realize how much stress that caused me. But like, I ended up just selling everything to this one lady. I don't think most people realize how much stress having stuff causes. Yeah, man. Definitely we does. buy things make, thinking it's going to add to our life and make our lives easier or better. But it is the opposite. It's uh, it's like that quote from my favorite movie from Fight Club, Tyler Durden. The things you own, own you. And when I and I, when I first saw that movie, I thought it was a cool quote, but I didn't really understand it. Yeah. And it wasn't until maybe the second or third time I've done like a master cleanse of mm-hmm. my stuff did I realize it really does. It does. <laughs> I know. It can hold you back. It does. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Like I've been like I had to buy a couple things for my apartment, like a like a skillet and like a knife to like cook eggs. But I'm like, do I really need this, or am I just like an impulsive, you know, and it really made me re-question things, which is a good thing. Even buying like groceries, like I have a kitchen here 
that I was thinking, it's like, oh, maybe I'll cook eggs in the morning. Right? Yeah. So I was tempted to go to the store and I was get some eggs. And I thought, okay, well, I need some kind of oil, some kind of butter. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, do I have, you know, like, do I even have like um, a pan of cooking in? Do I mm-hmm. have everything? And I start, and I was like, oh, I need salt too to season it. And I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't even want to eat at home. Yeah. I can just go out. It's cheap enough here. We're the option to go out and eat. I think the only reason why we cook so much at home is because either you can't find healthy food outside mm-hmm. or it's too expensive. It's cost prohibitive. But here, it's cheap. Yeah. And they probably have some of the healthiest food. Yeah, anywhere, man. Right? It, it definitely food, the food is healthy here. And you, I brought you to the play stage today. So what did you honestly think about it? So <laughs> to, to set this up, we're in Ubud, Bali, which is known, which was which was featured in uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. That's where she was. <laughs> and because like, oh yeah, there's this great place called Sage. It's right next door. They have, they have an amazing tempeh burger and <laughs> uh, jackfruit burrito i was like what i was like, I was like i don't want that let's go somewhere else and he's like no like you know like you know let's just let's just give it a shot it'll be good and i was like all right i mean i'm in ubu let's 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 try it it was tasty we had um jackfruit tacos mm-hmm. uh and i had it with guacamole we had some appetizers <laughs> appetizers the tempeh buffalo buffalo wing wings tempeh. yeah and it was good it was it tasty good you know, and I'm, you know, but it's really full. So it did, it did its job, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad to hear. Yeah. I know what you're saying though. Cause like I've been, I remember like, I remember a couple of years ago, I went to like a ve- vegetarian place and like afterwards I'm like, man, I'm still full. What the fuck? Like that's always like, I, I that's always my biggest worry. Like I won't have food to feel me feel full, you know, but that place proper, proper meal. And I think I've, I've kind of just come to a point where I'm like, you know what? Even if I'm not full, I'll eat again in a few hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think I'm going to starve to death. No. Like, I think that's probably the last week I'm going to die. <laughs> Especially, you know, being in a place like this where you can go on and just, you know, buy anything for a couple of bucks. Yeah. You know, there's food everywhere. Like, Indonesians love to eat. They do. The food's good here, man. The, so, the, the one thing that that is the best that I've had here is the smoothie bowls, mm. which is something I've never even heard of. Yeah. Have you had a smoothie bowl back in New York? No, and and that's the thing. Like not in Thailand. It wasn't until I moved to Changu last year that I have next to Dojo actually is a place called Nalu Bowls, and those are actually my favorite. It's almost like a dessert than like a breakfast. <laughs> that's the only thing I don't like about it is the fact that it, it tastes like dessert. Yeah, I think it should be thought of as a treat instead of a meal. Yeah, I wouldn't have that every day for breakfast. Me personally, it's kind of like a Siberry bowl. Yeah. So a. A smoothie bowl, if you guys are trying to figure out what that is, is basically granola with maybe like some fruit. It's usually tropical fruit like pineapple, papaya, dragon fruit, dragon fruit, uh, and maybe some coconut shreds, mm. some nuts, some maybe nuts. some some cashews or something, or chia nut or chia seeds. Chia seeds, yeah. yeah. Which uh, and what I like is they they use reconstituted chia seeds, so they take on just like tapioca, and then instead of using milk or even almond milk, which is tasty, it'll be good anyways. They actually pour in a smoothie that's made out of like coconut milk, spirulina, or maybe some honey, whatever, whatever else. Yeah, I don't mean. To be honest, I don't mean. I think some places yogurt also. Yogurt, okay, it could be yogurt. But yeah. they mix it up, and it's like it tastes amazing. It's really good. It it, it it's it's tasty. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Like after like a workout, like cause then you treat yourself, and it's it's a dessert in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of working out. I went to my the best yoga class I've ever been to out here in, in Ubud. I gotta hit yeah, I gotta check that out with you. So the, I heard there's a rivalry between the two. 
<laughs> it's funny you say that because like that makes me think of like back in Phuket like Phuket top team versus like Tiger Muay Thai like I don't think I do know what you're saying but like I think uh I think what happens is like yes some expats or some people who are like high up on themselves whatever they're like oh yoga barn it's just for it's just for tourists it's just for people who want to be seen it's just for girls who just want to wear skimpy clothing and it's like and then like if you're like you know, like if you're in the know, then you go to Radiantly Live. It's like, I don't know. I mean, some people are very judgmental and like, I try not to be. I like, I think it's good to like find out for yourself and see you which teachers what? you vibe with. I wasn't going to, but I'll have to go and see Yoga Bar. <laughs> Come with me, dude. Myself. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah. So, I, so my, my friend Kristen, who's, she's been on the podcast, she, very first day I got here, she's like, I was just like, I'm going to be at Radiantly you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do yoga. I was like, oh, you know what? I want to do yoga. Like, you know, where should I meet you? And she dropped the pin. I was like, radiantly alive. What happened? The sound turned you off? The, I was the like, name that, turned you off? I was like, I cannot believe this place is called radiantly <laughs> alive. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I forget. This is like your first time in Ubud. So like, yeah. for me, it doesn't even face me. Uh, it's, it's so <laughs> spiritual and hippie <laughs> move here. You know, um, I ate a restaurant called Kismet, which is good. And in the bathroom, they had a little box with slips of paper uh, and a pen that said, um, write down funny things you've random things you've overheard in Ubud. Mm-hmm. And it was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm there. sure you could find some very stereotypical things to say to hear over there. Yeah, so if you guys haven't actually heard of Ubud Bali, it has a reputation of being super spiritual, super woo-woo, super... New age. New age. Yeah. Lots of life coaches. Yeah, lots like of, me. Oh, yeah? Are you a life coach? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what a life coach is, man. Um, We could talk a bit into that. But yeah, just about like... I think people... Like the reputation it has, like Ubud itself, it's like me personally, I like it, you know, because it's it's people here who are here to work on themselves, you know, it's personal development, but on a bigger scale, and you know that benefits your 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 health, your relationships, your business. But the thing, what happens is like is like sometimes it gets uh, it gets skewed in one way, you know, like like the hippies turn into one version of it, and then people get turned off by like you know all the chakra talk and the crazy outfits they wear like if you look at me i don't i consider myself a hippie but i might not look the, look the role but i i definitely am down with the vibes and or like the ideas and you know like the, the general vibe of it but yeah it can be it can be off-putting i guess i would say you know to some people like i guess like for you today you know like i think you were kind of like <laughs> that's how i was a couple years ago before i got into this this lifestyle so at first you're like what is this like a cult like why are these people what are they chanting and what are these outfits they wear these ponytails and but you get once you get past that and you look behind it and and you, you can find some stuff that's really worth worthwhile to check out okay all right you know i'm, I'm glad i had you on because and not like some other random person because <laughs> i feel like i i give you the benefit of the doubt because you know, uh-huh. i've known you for so long yeah. if you guys haven't heard the other episode pause this go back and listen to it and you can see kind of the the big differences in the last two years uh and also us telling the story about how we met yeah and how we both went to the same muay thai gyms and how different we were back then yeah totally and that's the thing like i came from the complete opposite spectrum of what we're in now like i came from a wall eight years on wall street that new york lifestyle very money driven you know and, and now i'm like you know talking about chakras and meditation and stuff and it's just like that's i think it's important to have a balance you know but you know you, you shouldn't just just read off everything that's not that you're not familiar with. But yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that. I have a philosophy that 100% of people who are focused just on money or just on business uh-huh. would benefit 
a little bit or maybe even a lot from some of the woo stuff yeah or to kind of make them um you know kind of more centered mm-hmm. more grounded you know, exactly. things like that but i also believe on the other spectrum where a hundred percent of the super woo people yeah would benefit a crap yeah. load from some like financial planning yep. <laughs> like you know some some you know actual just like groundness yeah know? i agree with you and it's funny you say that because like i remember talking to my coach and and last year when i was like we were talking. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just left. I just left uh, Uber also." And he made a comment, or, or he mentioned like insight. He's like, "Yeah, like half the yoga teachers here are broke because you know they're they're too much on that side on the spiritual path, but they ignore the financial material world." And it's like, and that's not good. You need to have balance because even if you wanted folks on yoga, you still have to like pay the bills. You have to grow your business. It's it's still a business, and so like you know, even if you want to be quote unquote spiritual. You still have to deal with money and, you know, and all that stuff that we do online and as entrepreneurs. So they would definitely benefit as well. And I definitely think that even if your cause isn't about money, uh-huh. let's say it's a, it's a charity or NGO or, you know, you want, you know, you have a bigger difference you want to make. You, know, you want to be a change maker in the world, you know, social enterprise, whatever it is. Uh-huh. If it's not based on solid business foundations, yeah. it'll fizzle out and disappear. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, like, I feel bad for these people because mm-hmm. they have this great project. This guy in Chiang Mai met, spent the last eight years, uh, f- you know, taking photos and making a video documentary or photo documentary about people that live in the hill tribes out there and how they're losing their voice mm-hmm. you know, because of social media now and people move in the city. So they're losing the tradition. So, he, you know, it's a great project and he's so passionate, dedicated about it. And then finally he had it finished and he announced it in the groups Zero likes, zero comments. Nobody yeah. watched it. And he was so pissed. He was yeah. so angry. And he was like, you know, he's like, Johnny, you know, people don't give a crap. All people care about is business or making money. Nobody wants to, like, you know, uh, even think or, or look at um, the culture. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, look, don't take it personally, mm-hmm. but your copy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, the the post you made, first of all, was all in caps. Mm-hmm. Nobody fucking wants to read that. <laughs> Second, it was like eight paragraphs long. Nobody yeah. has time to read that. Yep. And third, it had no benefit, no no drawing for the person to even want to watch the trailer, the video. If they watched it, they'd be like, oh, this is a great cause. Maybe I'll support it. But the fact that he didn't have like the basics of mm-hmm. copywriting down and say, you know, um, you know, something like even like, you know, uh, lost, you know, ch- you know, lost tide tribes need your help or something. Yeah. You know, here are the benefits to you. You know, watch this trailer. He's out to support us. That would be a million times better than having you know eight paragraphs with <laughs> block text. Yeah, his heart's in the right place. It's just the execution, you know, and yeah. you can't ignore basic business principles. And that's why I think it's everyone on that side should learn some of these these basic business principles. But then us, you know, or the people that are like super business driven, mm-hmm. really would benefit from some yeah. of this. It's other side of it. Definitely, and that's kind of like I guess. To go back what what I was saying about my coaching business, that's kind of what I'm I'm along the lines. Like I, I have I had my foot in the modern world in, in the West, and I have my other foot in the East. I'm trying to bridge these two worlds together, the spiritual and the material, because I think that, that both sides should benefit. But you know, I I know what it's like to go through a corporate job, and so that's why I really want to. That's my target market right now. Trying to help those guys find their spiritual path, if that's what you want to call it, or or mindfulness, or conscious, or balance, or grounding, but. Because I didn't have that when I was doing this eight years. I, I had to collapse lung twice because I was so stressed out. So I wish I had basic meditation or like just stuff that we do out here that we take for granted. But 
back then I didn't know that. So I think that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this knowledge and educating people because I'm like, man, it helped change my life around. I'm a happier person. I, I could see that. I, I love the story behind it as well. You know? I think a lot of change even from two years ago, we were yeah. both really into e-commerce. Yeah. What, whatever happened to your store? You so were, I, yeah. I, I was trying to sell it after the first year and uh, what happened was when Amazon got rid of their PPC campaigns, uh-huh. half my traffic got went down the drain and um at that time i didn't realize it but i should have i should have sold it to empire flippers because i was trying to work with them and then when i did the accounting they're like yeah because you know your traffic dried up we can't sell it so you need to go back and make it profitable so i, I wait so so let's rewind so the, mm-hmm. the last episode 49 you were i think you were you were just starting to make sales in the store yeah i was making i was making between a thousand to two thousand dollars a month and profit yeah oh, roughly nice. so so that's why i was like oh man i got a winner here and then like i said i just I kind of like didn't keep my keep the foot on the pedal. I kind of like coasted, and then, like I said, Amazon then stopped the traffic. So by that time, by the time I stepped in my accounting, I was like, "Fuck, I'm, I'm I can't sell it." So what happened was then I was like, "Alright, I'll keep the store and I'll rebuild it, drive traffic." But then I just lost my drive, so I let it coast, and it made like organic sales. But then last year at the end of it, I actually hired a friend to take over, redesign it. He's running my he's been running my PPC stuff, so it's not profitable. It's not as much as like like the past two months we've made like maybe five eight hundred dollars, you know. Okay. But um, the plan is to still sell it. But you know, I just it was a learning lesson, you know. Yeah. So big learning lesson, everyone out there is first off, don't depend on any one traffic yeah. source because if they decide to change the rules, mm-hmm. like Amazon, for example, used to let you take out ads on Amazon search yeah. ads, but then have it go to your site. Yep. They decided we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> so then you had to figure out, okay. We got to run, make Google ads work. Yeah. And the reason why you couldn't sell it is because first off, that traffic source that you're getting all your visitors from was gone. Yeah. And then second, when you let it coast for a few months and had, you know, just very few sales, yeah. it drives down the the value of the, of the store because usually most businesses will look at the last 12 months of revenue yeah. or the last 12 months of profit and calculate that. And if your average you know, was great for the first two months and mm-hmm. then zero for the next six yeah. months, then it really drives it down. Exactly. Perfectly said. So I still have the store and the, the game plan is to hopefully sell it later this year because I just, I really don't want to deal with it. But yeah. And you know, it's crazy. So both of us are getting out of e-commerce, mm-hmm. but I know for me, I'm really glad I got into it as my first business. Yeah. Think, same here. Do you? Okay. Why, why do you say that? Because... Uh, and it's funny you mentioned because like I, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been watching the Chiang Mai digital nomad scene from afar, like as entertainment value to see all the trolls and comments. And like I don't care, I don't take it personal, but like I do see the arguments and like it's a lot of stuff that you said. You know, like it helped. It was a good first stepping stone for for running your own business, and it forced me to look at things like design and copy and uploading products and getting on a phone and talking to the supplier and selling yourself as a business person. Like those are all experiences that that I can take, and I've applied these skills to my coaching business. You know, so you know, as much as I'm not saying dropshipping is the only path to get there, but for me personally, it was a good stepping stone, and you know, it was like it taught, it gave me a really good foundation to start business. I I, I think so, 100 as well, and I actually think it gives you more validity as a coach uh-huh. having owned your own business before and knowing kind of ups and downs. Yeah, exactly, and then that's the thing too. It's like all these, because I've also started a Udemy course and I've had a couple other uh, e-commerce businesses with friends or FBA. But it's like, if I'm going to be a coach, I need to go through these struggles as an entrepreneur. Like, how am I going like, to coach somebody if I haven't gone through those 
those obstacles or hardships, you know? I think that's my biggest gripe about life coaches in general is uh-huh. a lot of them haven't taken care of their own lives. They yeah. haven't had the experience in, let's say, business, but they're a business coach now. Uh-huh. So to me, I th- I think that's why it has a kind of a, a bad name to it. Yeah. And I think in the, the same thing in the digital nomad scene, I think the reason why I was starting a bad name is that uh-huh. you had a bunch of people who had never errors. actually started a business. Yeah. They started, you know, teaching like yeah. how to be a digital nomad. <laughs> and that... And then that made legitimate people who've actually done a business exactly. also look bad. Yeah, totally. And that's why I understand like why people are getting upset. Like especially if you're like a legit business person, you're you're getting thrown into that cesspool of of scam artists. It's like, man, that makes all of us look bad, you know. So it's good to call the bullshit out. Yeah, yeah. But you know, at the same time, it's like I don't want to deal with the, the high school drama. I want, yeah, you know, I want people to be. People are adults, right? If exactly. you're gonna tra- if you're gonna travel halfway across the world and move and say you want to be an entrepreneur, yeah, you need to be able to figure this crap out yourself. Like <sighs> you shouldn't have someone have to babysit you or hold your hand and say, no, 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 like you know, like you know that you know don't do that or don't do this. You should be able to like, okay, what are this person's credentials? What kind of businesses have they done in the past? Are mm-hmm. they? Is this something that you know? Is, does, has this person actually made money doing mm-hmm. what they're what they're teaching? Yeah, like have they had a success in that field? You know, and you know, like to me, these are just fucking basic questions. Due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem with due diligence is if you just Google like is Kobe Bryant a scam? Yeah. There's gonna be someone writing, yeah, you know, he's that's, you know, he's true. you know, he's actually Native American or something. It, it's tricky, you know, with the internet. It's just man, you have to really like dig. Even when you see reviews, you have to dig and like you really have to be a private investigator. And also, I think, also kind of go with your gut as well. But here's the biggest problem with, the, with being a private investigator is mm-hmm. 99.9% of the people who are successful with something don't post about it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I almost guarantee, like, there's 100 people posting that Josh is a scam. Uh-huh. But then people like you who actually make money with it don't post or anything. And, and that's the thing. That's why. Because it's like that fucking energy that, that, I'm, that if I was going to go and try and defend and get involved with these freaking trolls, it's like... Fuck that shit. Like, I'm going to go work at my store or other businesses and devote my mental energy against that. That's why, like, if I go on it, I'm, I'm doing it for laughs because it's, I find it comical. But like I said, it's like, there's a million other things that I'm doing with my time and mental energy, which is precious to me. So that's why I don't deal with that. And bullshit. I'm starting to feel the same way. I think I've written enough about, you know, about dropshipping, how to get started, yeah. if it's right for you or not. <laughs> And uh, those articles are always going to be up. And if anything, maybe I'll copy and paste a link to, to someone, like if if they ask. Mm-hmm. But I'm done trying to convince the trolls. Yeah, it's, <laughs> convince it's, the trolls. It's, it's like it's just not worth my energy. Like it's really not worth my time. It's not. It's draining, dude. It's yeah. it's not. It's not a battle to choose your battles and stuff. Like it's not what you want to choose. And it's funny because Larissa, <laughs> we were on the phone the other day. She was saying, she's like, sometimes when I read this stuff, I just want to scream and be like, you fucking idiots. Like <laughs> you can't help people who don't want to help or who are not ready to receive the message. You know, that's, that's one thing I've learned. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe this will be the official announcement. Me and Larissa sold our store. Oh yeah. That's yeah. what you said. Congratulations, man. That's Appreciate huge. That. That's yeah. huge. And so the main reason why we sold it is, she is buying a house. Oh shit! Yeah, and it's not—it's not. Hi, Larissa. It's, by the way, yeah, I don't know if she still lives, but <laughs> Larissa. Um, so she wanted some. She needed, needed some cash. She wow. Was gonna, she was gonna borrow the difference from her sister, but I was yeah. like, you know, I was like, you're starting another job. You have, you know, you have your own life. Like, we're not really growing this store, mm-hmm. and kind of just like with, with your example, if you don't grow something, you let it die, right? Mm-hmm. And 
I we had a terrible November because not, neither of us were paying attention to it. I messed up on the ads. We weren't, you know, like we weren't spending any money on advertising. And I was like, if that goes on for another, you know, couple months, nobody's gonna buy the store because they're gonna think something's wrong with it, yeah. even though it was just us being lazy, you know, idiots not not paying attention to it. So what I did was I spent the last couple months going back in, making sure the ads were running, um, just kind of updating the descriptions and kind of just like making making the site like usable again. We fucking um, forgot to change the coupon code. Yeah, and it and it kept saying. And and this is a so right now it's what March fifteenth something two thousand seventeen right yeah it said two thousand sixteen on the coupon code oh, up shit. until last week <laughs> and this is how much we neglected it <laughs> so stuff like that we're like you know what let's let's sell the store yeah let's um, get so it's it's done I think, that's, I think you made the right move thank it's, you it's good timing too man like that's one regret I have like not timing it properly. Attention. Yeah, and hopefully this next uh, the guy who bought it is going to be able to grow it, and yeah. then not only make his money back, but also sell it for even more when he when he get, when he does. Because mm-hmm. the first store, I still talk to the guy. Yeah, man, I'm jealous sometimes because he's crushing it. No shit. I was making on average like two or three grand a month from it. Yeah, and the best month. So the best month I ever had was the first year when I was really excited. I made mm-hmm. like five grand a month wow. profit. I was really excited, but then I like started doing all these other things, let it slip and drop. Then it got down to like two or three grand on average. I think he said he's making like eight grand a month from it now. No something shit. crazy, yeah. Wow. So not only has he probably made his money back <laughs> for the sixty K he bought the store for, it was I think it was after after everything it was fifty seven thousand five hundred or something. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure he's either gonna have that back already or wow. pretty soon. And then when he sells that store again, it won't yeah. sell for sixty K this time. It'll probably sell for a lot more. Yeah. But he's also putting in the work, so I just he say that's it. he's putting time into yeah. part time and energy. So hopefully this this other buyer uh, does the same thing. Mm-hmm. If anything, like I th- I think he's happy because he has another dropshipping store mm. that is just making some sales here and there, but like he doesn't know how to scale it up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, you know he doesn't really understand yeah like how to how to actually build like you know run a profitable business. Mm-hmm. So this to him is just like oh. Wow, like I can actually see the back end of, of like how a profitable store is actually supposed to run. Yeah, yeah. that's a good good investment for him. Yeah, so that's it for me for for now. That's that was my last option store. Yeah, I, I don't plan on starting another one. And now you're fully retired. I'm retired. It's not gonna be Johnny FD anymore. It's gonna be Johnny retired. Retired. <laughs> actually, I'm writing a blog post ironically <laughs> about retiring, and it's not that I'm gonna stop. You know do anything because i, I kind of feel like we're retired anyways mm-hmm. you know exactly we, that's we what wake up when we want to wake up we live in places like bali yeah. or thailand you know just i've been surfing all day mm-hmm. last week this week i've been doing you know just yoga yeah we already are retired to be honest that's how i feel but i think the the, re, the what i mean by retiring is i'm never again going to start a business with money as the objective yeah as a driving goal yeah i hear you i think i'll end up making just as much or maybe even a lot more money anyways mm-hmm. just doing things I like doing or passion projects like I like doing this podcast even mm-hmm. if I wasn't getting paid for it I would still yeah. do this I 100% believe in that philosophy and that's what I'm doing right now as well I think that's that's a more powerful and more fulfilling way to go about it I like it so if somebody was in your shoes they're working maybe on Wall Street mm-hmm. working in finance or pretty much anyone who's working like 50 hours a week yeah. any job that you hate maybe you got to commute maybe you got some Bullshit, boss. Mm-hmm. You got some fucking reports you got to fill out that you hate. What would you recommend to them? 
take time to uh, get self-awareness first. You know, you need to figure out who you are, what your values are, what your beliefs are, what your dreams are, what your goals are. Because if you don't have that as your starting point, you're going to be running around in circles. So you really, number one that I tell my clients is, is self-awareness. That's why I talked about MBTI, Myers-Briggs personality or Myers-Briggs type indicator. That's, that can help kind of guide you on what your values and beliefs are because you need that. That's going to drive you at the end of the day, what your values are. Which uh, personality type are you? <laughs> I'm an ENFJ. ENFJ. That's, <clears throat> I think that's, uh, fuck, I don't remember what mine is now. Yours like ESTP. EST, no, I think I'm ESTJ. ESTJ. I'm ESTJ. So we're actually kind of close, right? Yeah, it, it's still a pretty big difference. Pretty big, yeah. Um, but I mean, we both have the J. That's organization. We like to be organized. But uh, we're both extroverts, yeah. But you're sensory. I'm intuitive when it comes to learning. Okay. So, so what's the difference between those two? Um, sensory is uh, more logical. You know, you like to use numbers. You like to look at data, facts. And intu- intuition, which is me, that's uh, that's why I feel like I fit in very well here in Ubud with all the hippies because we're very, uh, you know, we like, we like to think outside the box and, and look for patterns and, and the bigger picture so that we use our intuition to learn and make decisions. I think the, the kind of the best thing I learned from that, with that, that letter, that, that part of it mm-hmm. is even though I might be right historically, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm going to be right in the future. So, for example, um, if someone said to me, like, you know, he, you know, like, oh, you know, here's this alternative way of doing something, mm-hmm. alternative medicine, even, right? Yeah. For as a as an S, right, as a sensory, I'm like, all right, what are the facts? Yeah. You know, show me some case studies or some reports. Uh, how many people have actually been cured by you know um, by cancer from this? Yeah. Or how many? How many? You know, what is the correlation between like, are you going to get cancer and you and you and you not eating organic fruit, yeah. whatever it is. And I think that's actually a good example because right now, yeah. like there is st- like study wise, there's there's not enough evidence that eating organic is better for you, better mm-hmm. your health. They just they, there's not enough studies out there. There's not enough long term studies, and then the ones that they had weren't you know very con- conducive. Right? There's you can kind of find both sides of it. But as like a kind of the end, the end, like the sensory person. Mm-hmm. You can be like, well, you know, it makes sense that eating organic would be better for yeah. you. <laughs> and even though you know people might not have like a scientific study yet, yeah, to to back that up, they're like, no, I feel like it's gonna be better for you. Uh-huh. And you might be right. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just knowing which way you know you're who you're talking to, you know, and if you're trying to pitch a client that's very sensory or log- logical, you know, you want to use that kind of data to in your pitch. You know, you- how were you in finance, <laughs> or did it change? It's, you know, they, they do say that you're, not that you change, but you develop different parts of your cognitive functions as you get older. So I think for me, um, when I was younger, I was more in touch with the logical side. I was, I, I was, I worked in technology on the trading floor and with investment bankers. So I was a geek. I was a computer geek. I did comp science at my major in, in college. But, you know, I think, I think that was, more developed, but then after I left Wall Street, that's when I got more in touch with my intuitive side, with with my inner world, you know. So that's <laughs> it's funny you say that. So yeah, back then I was more logic and and, and that side of the brain, but now I definitely uh, on the other side. Okay, I like it. And if you guys want to know more about these personality tests, listen to episode one hundred forty one with our friend Kristen Yates, who's happen happens to be living here in Ubud as well. Yeah, she's an ENFP. Yeah. She, she definitely. <laughs> so there's a lot of people moving on here now. Why do you, so what do you, 
you've lived in Changu as well, right? Yeah. So last week's episode, we talked about Changu, which is the beach town, good surf. Mm. What do you think the difference is between Changu and Ubud? Um, so yeah, that's a really good conversation. I feel like people, that's a pretty common question I always see on, on the Facebook groups. It's uh, obviously we don't have the beach here in Ubud, but um, the difference is like, like you said, you know, I think it's a very, I hate using that word spirituality, but if, if you want to work on yourself and be more mindful and conscious here, the supports is so much more because you have all these yoga studios, you have good, you have great meditation teachers, you know, you're really in a, in a, in a supportive community of people who are working on themselves and who are kind of on the same path. And, you know, it's, it's great to be that there. So that's the one of the big difference between here and Changu. I, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like Changu is a bit of the surfer, bro, Aussie, let's get fucked up, part of the crowd. And there's nothing wrong with that. That was me 10 years ago, 37 now. But, you know, we're at different points in our life now and that's not my priority anymore, chasing girls all day and shit, you know? It's like, I want something more fulfilling. So, you know, that's that's probably one of the big differences right there. But, you know, they both have great restaurants, beautiful nature. Here, you don't have the beach, but you have, oh my God, you have green, like jungle forest everywhere and I love that. And uh, yeah, man, it's like... So, yeah, I'm sorry. What was the question? What are the differences? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that's, you brought up a lot of good points, right? So, first, Chengdu, I, I think it's it's, it's, not, it's not nearly as bad as like Kuda Beach, like yeah. South Kuda. That really is that's like that, yeah. the drunk party, Aussie, yeah. capital of the world. Chengdu. You get the hipsters in Chengdu. And more, yeah. <laughs> the, what I, the only thing I didn't like about Chengdu yeah. is it feels like it's like the cool kids there. That's what it is. That's what the hipsters are. And they're like, they, I have a friend who, um, I asked her, I was like, why did all the fucking hipsters come here? Because like, people were like, oh, the hipsters ruined Changu. They're going to make it to Kuda. And she was like, but I, don't, I, hate, I hate generalizing, but they said all the Aussies that came over, they like to think they're cool and open up these restaurants and these, you know, these fancy. And what's kind of cool is they do have, I do like hipster yeah, restaurants. Yeah, they do. It's, it's, I like it too, man. I like working out of there. Yeah. They have good food. They're, I'm, they're glad, I'm glad they do things. Yeah. I just don't like how clicky or pretentious yeah. it, or like self-righteous people feel. Yeah. And that's exactly, that's, that's what it is, you know. You then get people who are like got their nose in the air and becoming snobs, and like it's like what the fuck, like you know, like get back down to earth, you know, like yeah. And I, but even with all that, I like Chengdu just because you can surf. Yeah, the it's beach. not the mo- it's not the most beautiful beach. It's, it's actually not. pretty dirty. Yeah, it's pretty black sand. It's not like Thailand beaches. Or yeah, Cambodia. But the surf, yeah, which is to me, it's like almost nothing else matters. I'm like, mm. okay, if I can surf. Mm-hmm. Weather's good. There's good, you know, good cafes, good, yeah. good food. Ah, I'll, 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 you know, I'll stick it out, right? Yeah. But I think overall, Ubud is a bit cheaper. Uh, it the people are just nicer. Yeah. Like, definitely less stuck it's nicer up. Nicer vibe. Just really nice energy, nice vibe. Mm-hmm. The yoga in Ubud is way better. Yeah. The yoga in Chengdu actually sucked. I I only <laughs> went to Serenity. There's other places. I mean, there's the practice I've been to. I would say check it out. I have a friend who goes also Samadhi. So I would, I would recommend those two places. Check it out. So Ubud, I think, I think you're right. Like it's, it's better if you, if you're into spirituality, if you want to discover yourself, you want to, if you want balance, you know, like if you're, like I said, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, we did the, like the retreat I ran last year of co-workation. We ran it here in Ubud and it was like one of the themes is like how to help make personal development how to apply that for professional development. And, you know, the concepts are like bringing balance into your life, getting to know yourself, self-awareness, grounding yourself, like having morning rituals. So it's like, even if you were an entrepreneur type who's not looking for the spirituality or the spiritual path, coming here can still benefit you because you can bring those concepts like balance into your life and that'll make you more successful. Yeah, I can see that. It almost kind of forces you to have good balance when you're here. Yeah. But one thing I definitely think that 
uh, Uber Dad is going for it is pe- people that do want to put their head down and work and grind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've met a lot more entrepreneurs here that are trying to grow like a six figure business. Yeah. Than in Chengdu. It's and it's funny you say that. So like, I think with Chengdu, like because it is a beach, it's it's known as a surfer beach town. You do have the distractions, so you have the bar and the nightlife. I I've actually been out a couple of times down there. They do have good music. They have they have those freaking awesome sunset bars and good house music playing in the background. I love house music. Um, I don't drink anymore, but I can still go out and dance. But you you know people who aren't as disciplined, they can fall off the wagon and get distracted. So so there is that. But man, like what you said, the beach there. That's why I lived there last year from March, April, May. I love being by the beach, living two minutes from the beach. It's always been a dream of mine, and you know I think it's a cool place to. To experience that yeah i definitely i think definitely think every single person should live within a block on the yeah. beach at least once in their life i agree i would probably do it on an island somewhere just to really get the whole feeling uh-huh. and do it until you start complaining <laughs> exactly because eventually you're gonna get annoyed of you like oh man i'm so sick of having sand in my house all the time <laughs> you know you start you know maybe you know you might stop stop enjoying and stop you know you, you just don't like it as much right he don't got it Hedonic adaptation will kick in, but you know, it's like for what I do now, Johnny, is every Sunday or Saturday, I drive down to Chengdu 45 minutes on my bike. I go use that new gym. I'll bring you there if you want. They have a Muay Thai bag. So I have myself, my Sunday routine, drive down there, go to the gym, um, go to my favorite restaurant, Gypsy, and then get a massage, my favorite place, and then go for a two hour sunset walk. So I love having Chengdu close by to Uber, but 45 minutes, it's still not a bad drive. You know what's so funny is I think most people do not realize how close they are together. <laughs> Some people were thinking, like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Just do both. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, live halfway between. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. So, yeah, we should clarify that. So, it's like a 45-minute drive, but it's not. I think it's more like an hour and 15. It, traffic. It, it depends where exactly you were going from which points of Uber. Like, yeah. I, from my place, I live on the outskirts of Uber, so I'm, I have a little bit of a head start. And then I also go to the quieter part of, um, of Changu. So, that's where I go to my old villa, actually. Oh, so yeah, so it's a, it's in a town called Perninan, and that's next to Echo Echo Beach and uh, Changu. So I would highly recommend that for people who want to visit Changu but don't want to live in like central, like where you are. I always live. I always like to live like outside of the craziness. So I live like one block away from Dojo and Echo Beach, but it was considered a different village. That's it. Okay. So the other thing I I, I think is cool about Ubud is even though it's jungle and it's not near a beach, mm-hmm. you're within what. A few hours. Yeah. Like an hour to Changu Beach, but mm-hmm. also to the East Coast. Yeah. It's like, what, an hour 15? But to to Padang Bay, we were talking. I haven't done that. I think it's around an hour, give or take. But yeah, it's yeah. not far. So if you guys wanted to, you could just ride a scooter, mm-hmm. have a nice trip out there. Yeah. For me personally, what I would probably do is make weekend trips out of it, mm-hmm. spend the night there somewhere. Yeah. Because you can get hotels so cheap out here. You know, 20 bucks a night or less. And I actually plan on doing... um. I want to explore the rest of Bali this time, and I want to go up to the north. There's a like a, a national park out there, and I heard this this lady who works at Gypsy Restaurant. She was giving us tips. She's like, rent like a jeep, you know, for super cheap, and then drive out there because it's gonna be a couple hour drive. But you could then explore the rest of Bali. So I'm gonna do like you know like a three to five day uh, mini vacation in the next month or two and just explore this island. So I've only now been in Ubud for a few days. Uh, this is my second trip out here. I've been here six years ago. And I think I've gotten a, a bit of a taste for it. So off of just kind of my preliminary recommendations that could change, I would probably say to people, if you want if you want a place where you actually can focus on work, base yourself in Ubud. You know, uh, 
check out one either Hubud or Outpost, see which space you like better. Maybe maybe you might work, end up working on cafes, but at least there's the option here. Mm-hmm. Right? At least in Chengdu, there's only the one space, which yeah. I didn't like. And here you have options, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Right? And then if you want to go to the beach, go on weekends. Yeah. You know, you know, Monday through you know, Thursday, Monday through Friday, you you should be working anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and then take Saturday morning, head out to the beach, spend the night, come back Sunday night, and you can have the best of both. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing last two, last two months, a month, and I love it. Yeah, I like it. So, any kind of uh, last tips or, or words that you want to put out there? Um, man, if if I would highly recommend checking out Bali. You know, it's it's um it's a special place, also just like Chiang Mai. And I think if you're a nomad, whether you're in Chiang Mai or Colombia, you know, give Bali a chance. Because I remember when I first went to Thailand, I was like. Bali, isn't that just a tourist island? I didn't know that there was like a conscious community. I didn't know there was co-working spaces. So, you know, it's got something for everybody. And I would highly recommend it. It's affordable. It's not as expensive as everyone makes it out to be. And um, yeah, man, it's it's a great place. Can I ask where you're spending a month here? Yeah, I spend about, back just to give you a, a standard, like a baseline, I spend about $1,000 in Chiang Mai for a really good lifestyle. I don't like pinch pennies or anything. Here, I have the same lifestyle. And I spend about 1500 US. I've heard that from a lot of people. It's about $500 more than Chiang Mai. Yeah. About still gonna be half the price of what we spent at home. Um, for me, Ching Mao spending about twelve hundred, and like and, and yeah, exactly like you. Know, I wasn't penny pinch. I was eating yeah. out, eating whatever I want to eat, yeah. eating wherever I want to live. Here, I'll, I'm probably spending two thousand. Mm-hmm. So you know, five to seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I would budget. I would budget between fifteen to two thousand dollars to live comfortably. You know, you can do it cheaper, but I don't think it's worth it, and you're gonna be miserable. Yeah, definitely, and. Yeah, the standard living out here is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend it to most people. Yeah. Infrastructure is not quite as good as Thailand. Yeah. Visas are more of a pain in the ass. Um, but I think, you know, they, they have, would, let's quickly talk about that. Yeah, yeah let's talk about it. I would say pain in the ass, I would actually say maybe the same or even better, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Because uh, here's the first thing. My last trip, when I left here in October and I went back to Chiang Mai, they actually stopped me in Bangkok and were like, they looked at my my tourist visas and they're like my visa arrives are like oh you've been doing too many and I'm like what do you mean like I leave the country every time for like two or three months and like next time you have to apply for tourists I'm like what the fuck you know thankfully this it's been four years I've been living there so that's kind of a sign for me to get to leave so here from what I've heard and we- and to clarify you mean when you're you whenever you fly in you would just get the thirty days on arrivals so. You wouldn't apply for a visa in advance. You just get the 30 days for free. Sometimes I would and sometimes I wouldn't. Okay. But because I knew I was only going to be in Chiang Mai for two months, I'm like, I don't need to. Okay, perfect. So if you guys don't know, when you go to Thailand, you can just fly in, you get 30 days for free, mm-hmm. and then you can extend it for another 30 days yeah. at the mall and you get it, you know, you get 60 days total. Yeah. Okay. So whereas here, um, if you do, <laughs> I did that last year. I was on my two month visa. In Bali, and then I went to KL, and I came back the same night, and no questions asked, no one busted my chops. But I wonder if that's just because it was you didn't have as many stamps yet. No, because I've I've also talked, I also checked other Facebook groups, Uh and they're not really um like you always have to be careful, obviously. But like the general consensus I got is Bali, they don't care. They 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 realize the tourism here is actually like a good thing, you know. Um, and then for me now, I'm actually on a six month social visa. So I flew to Singapore. I used an express agent. I paid 120 US to get the letter in and out the same day. And then I spent one night there because I didn't want to kill myself with the flights. Yeah, smart. Um, so yeah, I went to Singapore and, and that was that. So for 60 days, I paid 120. And then here's other trick. Here's like the other add on. So Bali, I would say it's easier, but there are more hidden expenses, I guess you would call it. So even though I use a visa agent to get my first 60 days, 
I have to check into immigration every once a month, every 30 days. And for that, you are recommended to use a visa agent, which is about $20, $30 US each time. You can do it yourself, but then like I said, you're losing time driving to Tempensar. So these are the built-in costs for your visa. So for a six-month visa, I won't have to at least fly out of the country and kill myself on visa runs, but I will have to uh, pay money through a visa agent. So my question is, if let's say you do want to fly out of the country, you want mm-hmm. to go somewhere. When you come back, is that six-month visa still valid or no? So that's a good point. That's a good question also. So I found out that I have to kind of stay put here for the, for the, you know, I, every month I, I have to check in. So if I only want to do four months, then that's fine. But then I will, I will lose that six month visa. Okay. So here are the options for everyone to kind of clarify again. Mm-hmm. So Thailand, you can either get 30 days on arrival, which you can extend pretty, pretty easily. You spend yeah. half a day at the, at the mall, but it's pretty easy. Um, you can get a single entry tourist visa, which gives you 60 days. Which you can extend for another thirty, same procedure, and you get ninety days total, and that you can get anywhere. So any country you can get it from neighboring country. You can get it here in Bali and Denmark also. You can get it in Bali, you can get it in Singapore, you can get it wherever you want. Or if you go back to your home country, you can get a six month multiple entry tourist visa, which when you come in, it gives you sixty days extendable to ninety. But every time, then you have to leave the country. When but when you fly back in, you get another sixty days. So, based on all of that, I would say if you are the type to want to travel and leave the country every two or three months anyways, you want to go check out Macau, you want to check out the Philippines, you want to check out, you know, other neighboring places and you want you just, you know, want to fly in and out, then Thailand would be easier. If you want to live in Bali and you know you just want to be here for 6 months, that's actually a great option because you don't have to fly back to your home country to get that 6 month visa. You can just fly to the na- Closest country, which is Singapore. How far is it? Uh, Singapore was easy. It was like a two-hour flight. Okay, you find pretty cheap flights. I booked mine through KLM. It was like ninety-eight dollars. But then on the way back it through Air Asia, it was like sixty, seventy dollars. I bet you the KLM flight was a lot nicer. It was a lot nicer, exactly. I hate flying Air Asia. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Air so, Asia is like it's the worst. It's like the the hot girl you see on Tinder, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, this would be good. <laughs> and you get, and you get there, and you know what? Sometimes it's fine, but. It's, Sometimes it's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Air Asia don't don't use them if you don't have to pay a little bit more. Yeah, if it, I, my rule is unless my only option to get a direct flight is Air Asia. If it's it, I, I always talk, I'll always take the direct flight no matter what. Yeah, I, I you know I'd be happy to fly a crappy airline if it's a direct flight and then mm-hmm. transfer with, with a good one. Yeah, same here. Uh, and then if they're both direct flights. If Air Asia is more than fifty percent less, I use I would just go with them anyways. It was like ah to save some money. Yeah. But if it's even if it's don't like even if it's fifty percent more. Yeah. By the time you factor in luggage. Yeah, luggage exactly. I always check luggage in most of the time. And the other kind of BS things that they yeah, they, they tack they, they on nickel and dime before. You know, using a credit card. Yeah. To check out, you know, a All bottle of water. Things. So, Air Asia. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So. To kind of wrap up the the visa situation, the extensions, mm-hmm. I think that's a pain in the ass. Where it, it to me it sounds like it's just a scheme for Indonesia to try to get more money out of tourism. It, it is, but in terms of pain in the ass, I will say because if if you're using a travel agent, if you're not a cheap motherfucker and trying to do it yourself, they're gonna jerk you around and make you go like three times. Where if you used to use a visa agent, they just make you go once to do the fingerprints. I don't even want to do that. To be honest, I guess you have to. Everyone has to, even if yeah. you do it yourself. And the nice thing is if you use a visa agent, the one I'm going to give you, they will pick up the passport from you at your villa and then drop it off and pick it up 
after it's done, you know, so you don't have to go deal with that bullshit anymore. Okay, so I'll tr- I'll try that out, and then if it works good, then I'll I'll, I'll write it in the show notes somewhere. <laughs> uh, but I think I mean, and and this is why it's a pain. It's because unlike in Chiang Mai, mm-hmm. where you can call an Uber, have them take you to the mall in a nice air conditioned <laughs> car. <laughs> You know, then go watch a movie while you're getting your your visa stuff done. You know, have lunch in a nice nice food court. Here, you got to drive either. It's like an hour, an hour on a scooter yeah. in the most insane traffic in the world, or you have to try to convince some mafia taxi guy to not charge you more than thirty five dollars to to take you in his car. And it's like. I just don't want to deal with it. It's just a pain. It's just it's just stress for me. It is, but you know what? It's like at the end of the day, I've 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 made my peace with these demons we call visas. I'm like, you know what? It's a small price to pay that we get to live in paradise. Freedom, and I'm yeah. very grateful for it. So I don't try not to get bogged down on it. You know? I, I, I do like I do like that reframe a lot. I do like so it's, it's worth it. I don't I don't mind it. Uh, speaking of Uber, I am so glad Uber is here. Uh-huh. It just, uh, it's unfortunate that it only works 10% of the time. Yeah, I saw your post about it. So you found out it's like, it's, it's the mafia here, man. They, they, they don't like it. So it's. And some people will say, oh, it's, it's not a mafia. It's just the local, you know, uh, villagers that want to keep their, their jobs. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? To a point, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm sure people that live locally, mm-hmm. you know, want, like, you know, and have been, extorting people with exuberant taxi prices want to keep that money and that's how they feed their family but that's not good for anybody yeah like it's not even good for them because it's high stress they're just standing around they don't get that many customers because most people end up just wanting to either you know ride a scooter Mm -hmm. uh, walk or they just don't go out past their neighborhood because they're like I don't want to deal with it it's too much trouble to get around yeah and for for me like in Chiang Mai once they they had Uber and Mm -hmm. it was convenient I started going to restaurants on the other side of the river oh, or like clear across town because I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, let's try this place and because it's easy because I knew it was convenient. Oh, wow. So that definitely boosts the economy. Wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And I hear actually the same thing. I was tempted just to call an Uber because I wanted to go to a nice dinner across yeah. town. I didn't want to run on my scooter, but you just can't get one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pay, you know, and, and it's not about the money. It's mm-hmm. about the principle of it yeah. where I'm see. not going to pay you know, four times what something should cost and then have to argue with some dude, you know, some shady character about it, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's another, it's another pain that we deal with from living abroad. Cause even, even like in Thailand, you know, like Phuket, like get the Tuk Tuk Mafia, they prevented the buses from starting. They go from airport to wherever, you know, they blockaded that. So it's like, I don't know, it's like a Southeast Asian thing, but like, yeah, they, I think it's like a, you know, scarcity mindset thing. And I would imagine every single country where people think money is a scarce resource, mm. they just try to hold on to it and they try to kind of strong arm their way into yeah. keeping it. While if people had an abundance mindset, mm. first off, maybe they would have thought of a an app, you know, in the first place, or they would embrace it. Because I guarantee you, those local people. Well, there are apps coming now. Like I saw yeah. signs, like finally, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know how much they're, they're pricing out. You know, and I the thing is, but here, here's what I don't like about Uber, and this is. This is kind of like my my other point to them is they are I don't like it when they artificially lower like high prices low just to get market dominance mm. because that's unfair to the locals who are actually trying to compete mm-hmm. uh, and it's also unfair to 
you know, like pretty much everyone, because once they do get domination, then they're a monopoly. Monopoly, yeah. So that's why I like places that have both Uber and Lyft or and Grab. There's like Grab and Gojek. Yeah. And-, and the thing is, we don't even mind paying a bit more if it's a fair price. We just don't want to get ripped off. Yeah. I think that's a fair thing. It's like we don't want to get ripped off. Yeah. We- <laughs> I actually think Uber is a little bit too cheap in Bali. I think they should, I think they should raise the price. Uh huh. And then we strike a deal and say, look, we're going to raise our price. We're not going to rip people off like you guys are, mm-hmm. but we're going to raise our price. So then, you know, it's something where it's still reasonable for people. Yeah. But then local drivers would definitely make more money than mm-hmm. what they're doing now because more people end up taking it instead of just waiting around for customers and, talk, you know, just harassing people on the street, which is annoying to tourists. You know, you would be driving more often because there's more people calling you. Yeah. These are all valid arguments, but I think. I think it's like a cultural thing, you know. I think like if you were trying, if you were try, if you would try to have this conversation with people with these drivers, I don't know how much it would go with like one ear out the other, you know. It's like because to you and I, it's a it's a logical conversation, but to them, I don't know. If I was so tempted to print out a piece of like a letter, yeah, have it in you know Indonesian, <laughs> explaining the economics of why Uber is good for you, and then every time someone asks me if I want a taxi, I'm just gonna hand them that letter. Oh man, well you should do this. I mean like. Because I've seen a lot of stuff on the Facebook thread. Like if you look at the Changu community Facebook group, someone always starts a discussion. And like all these things are have been said before and brought up, you know, but it's it's kind of like a deadlock, I would say. But that's why you have to get it into the hands of the actual people in their language. And authorities. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, and it's like it's, it's short-term thinking. Where long-term thinking, I guarantee the economy would benefit yeah. if something like Uber was, was free market. Mm. I think that's a... Uh, you talk about future business projects, Johnny. I think, I'm not going to get involved. In that. <laughs> That's like the last thing I want to do. <laughs> you could do a Visa and Tuk Tuk services combined. No, definitely not. <laughs> Like there's, that's like the last business owner. Those, are, those are two angry demographics. You have angry visa agents and angry tuk tuk drivers after you. Oh my god! You know, with the visa, I was like thinking, I was like, you know what? Just charge more for it, but ha- let everything be done at the airport. Like, because yeah. for me right now, when I found out that I had the option to pay, you know, instead of getting the free visa mm-hmm. to pay thirty five dollars, so I can have the option to yeah. extend, I was like, okay, I'm happy to pay that. Mm-hmm. But then after, as soon as I got it. I looked at the step. I was like, it still says 30 days. And oh, so you didn't realize. I didn't realize. You to extend it with any agent. Then then I had to extend. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, I got to go extend it. Yeah. And then someone told me that, you know, you got to spend three days going back and forth to the fucking airport again. Yeah. It was an hour away. And I was like, fuck these people. <laughs> you know, like, it's like you're on a vacation for eight weeks. Yeah. You know, no and you don't want to spend three of your days you know, dealing with that. Yeah. And thank God there's the visa agent where mm-hmm. you can just pay them to do it. But even then, I don't want to sp- even spend one day of my vacation going back to the airport yeah. just to, you know, f- spend a few hours getting a thumbprint. They could have just done that at the airport. Yeah. These are the inefficiencies. They haven't really worked out here, you know, unfortunately. It's uh, like you talk about infrastructure, you know, like it, that almost turned me off the first month I got here. I was like, did I make the right choice? Just like infrastructure. Oh my God. But yeah, it's just inefficiencies. Amazing. But you know what? There's with the ups and there's the downs, exactly. right? Exactly. There's no perfect place I've learned. You know, after traveling the world, there's no perfect place. Yeah. So we just got to enjoy the, the benefits of where we are. Exactly. Stay at places where the benefits outweigh the downsides. Yeah. And it's like a relationship. Yeah. You know, you can't have the perfect relationship with your girlfriend or her husband, but like, I it's want like, it. I it, want it. I but, want it to be perfect. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's possible. I really think it's possible. Man, out of the four years of traveling, man, it's, I haven't found that many places. 
I'm still looking. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a long journey, I think. I think it's a fun journey. It's a fun journey for sure. I, and, I, and I'm confident that the world, at least the Western world, is improving every single year in terms of infrastructure, number one, but also even just like ease of use and customer service, mm-hmm. and, uh, efficiency, everything is getting better. Yeah, definitely. And I'm looking at Europe next year also, so I, I agree. Yeah. I, you know what? Poland is is I'm pretty high on that list for infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the um, Canary Islands. Okay. I don't know if Spain's going to be high on the list of infrastructure, but I I heard it's a beautiful place. Yeah. All right. That was fun to, fun to chat. Uh, if you want to keep get in touch or check out your stuff, how, how can they find you? Uh, check out my blog, uh, ChristopherWChu.com. I have information about coaching, morning rituals, personal development. Also, check out my YouTube channel. The link is there because I actually shot video last year while I was in Changu of like my apartment, the cool stuff I did, the training. And yeah, I also document about my nomad journey and, and living abroad. So yeah, my YouTube and Facebook. Add me on Facebook. Search for uh, Chris Chu or you can find me under Johnny's Facebook page as don't, well. Don't look for me under Johnny's Chu's page. <laughs> okay. So just find me on my domain, Christopher W. Chu, C-H-I-U. Thanks, all right. hey, Thanks for, for coming on and I'll see all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Huge thank you to everyone who's taken the time to log into the iTunes store to leave us a review of this podcast. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt, but it helps us so much and encourages me to continue to be able to put out these podcasts every single week for you. So a big thank you to Steve K uh, for your review last week, as well as Cal Reed this week. Great podcast. Five stars. This podcast is great for entrepreneurs and travelers. Johnny gives great advice and his guests are very informative as well. Looking forward to more. And I'm looking forward to more great reviews to be able to read on air. So please take the moment to go onto the iTunes store and leave us a review of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I also want to thank Tripstreak for sponsoring this week's episode. The next time you need to book a flight, make sure you check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss and make an account. That way you can put in your preferences like what currency you want displayed, if you prefer red-eye flights or if you like flights during the day. Uh, and if, for you business class bosses, you can even set that you only want completely lie-flat seats and you don't want any airlines to trick you into a, a reclining seat that looks like it, it could be lie-flat until it's you know, you're on the plane, you're exhausted, and you're like, oh, man, it only reclines 90%. So a uh, big thank you to Chipshake again, and I'll see all of you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.